Welcome back to another episode of The One, the only fan club and podcast dedicated exclusively to effects pedals. If you love effects pedals, you are amongst friends, you have found your home, you have found your community. This is Justin. Hi. This is Vince. And this is Matt. That's right. From Matt we are gonna get <laughs> we are gonna get a tour of the Matt Averse today. Uh, we have a special guest on, builder, a friend from uh, the Midwest, uh, Matt from Mattiverse. And Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing real good. How are you guys today? Living the dream. Trying to. <laughs> uh, well, actually, before we got on this, we Vin, Vince and I live in Colorado, and we got hit by a pretty gnarly hailstorm. And so we're looking at, like, ha we have to have our roof replaced because it got tore up and some windows. And so... My cat, Missy, does not like strangers, and so there's just been a lot of strangers in the house, and trying to manage her anxiety and fear has been a serious struggle, <laughs> and it was at its height. Like, because I'm afraid if, like, she, I mean, she goes, like, total primitive brain, and she will just run out the door, and she doesn't know where she's going. She's just going away from the house. <laughs> and so, anyways, um, it's, been a, it's been tough cat management, but other than that, I've had a, I've had a great day. Things are good. <laughs> Jeez, I think, yeah, I think yeah, the last I think time I talked to you guys, you guys, uh, uh, you guys have just had a storm then too, maybe, so. Yeah, we've had quite a quite a run. Vince, your house got hit up pretty good, didn't it? All your solar was broken and everything? Yeah, a couple times, actually. Like, the, the one that hit, um, I think the last time that we had talked, there was one in between where Sheena and I were actually at a friend's house for um, their kid's birthday party, and it uh, and they probably live like five minutes from us, but it started hailing there. And I was worried uh, mostly about my car outside of their house. And I was like, I knew we should have driven her car because <laughs> mine's newer and doesn't sure. have <laughs> hail damage and hers already has hail damage. So like it, what's some more dense. Um, but then we got home and yeah, our house had been hit again. Um, most of our damage was on like our back patio. We have a, we have a covered patio outside our backyard that um, has like a metal awning, but it has um, some strips of, I guess, plastic so that there's some natural light comes through and it just, uh, obviously all of that just got punched through because it's, you know, golf ball sized hail. You've so, got more natural oh light coming through is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, uh, natural light. That sounds and now, like a huge headache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> And now more of the elements are allowed in. <laughs> um, Matt, I know you are in Wisconsin, and I was just out there. We were just talking about that before we got on the air here. And when I was out, I was out there filming a golf job just to the east of you, and our whole day got screwed up because of massive storms that were directly to the west of us, which I'm guessing is where you're located. Do you have massive storms in the Midwest there? Uh, all around us, there's usually some pretty, pretty heavy duty storms, but for whatever reason, right where we are, it's kind of in this meeting of sort of three rivers or whatever, and kind of down in the valley. So a lot of that stuff comes right up, right up to us and then kind of jumps over for the most part. You know, there's yeah, been a couple of things on one side of the town years ago, sort of a tornado went through, but for the most part, the stuff seems to <laughs> really sort of hit the edge of Minnesota around us on the other side of the river. But for some reason we don't really seem to get as hammered as you would think. Uh, like you little... live in a Goldilocks zone. Like, yeah. where, like, like life can continue in the new climate. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. 
Unless, yeah, let's like we get some one of those. I mean, I see the bluffs, and I imagine that at some point the the water from the Mississippi River was that high, essentially, when the you know, <laughs> it was all yeah, melting for sure. through. It's pretty wild to think about. But. Yeah, if the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf Current slows down, um, those bluffs will get more carving on them because the glacials will start to form. But um, yeah, let's just let's get into some petals because I, I I did learn about <laughs> Wisconsin when I was out there, and it was like an ancient lake bed, and then like all the sand got deposited. I don't know if you know this or care about it, Matt, but I think where I was, a lot of sand in the middle of Wisconsin because it was the bottom of an uh, ancient lake and an ice dam broke from a glacier. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah it's pretty wild. It's wild, yeah. Um, so beyond our scope in time. But Matt, tell us a little bit, give us a quick tour of the Mattaverse. Um, I know you are a musician, uh, you love creativity. Uh, tell us what the Mattaverse is and um, get us kind of, you know, from rock and roll Matt to pedal builder Matt. Gotcha. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, in my teenage years, started playing guitar uh, on the recommendation of a friend because I started to find out I wasn't going to be big or strong enough to do sports like I wanted. And uh, <laughs> there wasn't much else going on besides playing video games. And I guess, you know, 30 years ago, it wasn't as cool to do that when you were getting older. So switched to guitar and then you know had bands and toured around and stuff like that until probably my mid-20s and then you know just kind of wanted to settle down more and have a family so did that but sort of kept playing music and recording people out of my basement and all that and and through all that of course you know buying and selling just huge amounts of gear because I kind of got a mental problem with that and (laughs) like to try lots of things and but always want to one in, one out kind of thing. So it's been an ever-revolving uh, carousel of gear. But anyway, all that gear buying was kind of getting exhausting, so I decided maybe I should uh, try and learn how to make some of the things I was interested in versus continuing to just you know buy the nth one of them or whatever. So I sold a synthesizer I got at a pawn shop, uh, sort of flipped that and made some money. Uh, I didn't fix it. A local tech fixed it. <laughs> and then used that money to kind of just start making a lot of mistakes trying to make electronics you know just building circuits and soldering things backwards and upside down the wrong way a dozen times until i learned my lesson and then i guess one thing led to another i just started you know selling little projects and things like things like that to to uh, afford more parts and all that and then you know people started wanting to plug their their guitars and do it and things like that so one thing led to another and i started uh I guess probably officially making pedals. I guess it's probably been seven or eight years ago now. So, but just sort of tinkering away since then, not really uh, learning as much as I should, I don't think, but maybe having some novel ideas along the way, hopefully. Um, we can speak to your novel ideas for sure, because we think uh, Matterverse itself is just, uh, you do some fresh work. You do some, uh, you definitely think outside the box. I think, I think Vince feels the same way. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> We, you know, we discovered you long ago, uh, not only because of your demos, which we think are some of the best demos <laughs> on the internet. And if you haven't seen them, it's just, it, maybe you could speak to them in a second, but basically you're green screening your, your own footage behind your pedals. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Primarily. Yep. We'll get into more detail about the production of those, but maybe you could walk us real quick through, um, you know, a couple of your, your favorite ones, our personal favorites, uh, I love, uh, I haven't played it yet, but I love the concept of the drone. Uh, I think that's just a, a cool sonic generator. Um, you know, you've got the Floravolt, which was, uh, I don't know, I would say uh, 
there was a milestone. There's time before before the Floravolt in the effect pedal builder world, and then after the Floravolt, um, it was one <laughs> of those types of things. And then you've got some other, um, you know, kind of de- like your desktop stuff that um, built in the um, I, I, is that plexiglass or something. So maybe just kind of walk us through some of your pedals real quick and what the idea is behind them, like why why they came into fruition. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, I guess uh, I sort of I started, started, started out primarily doing, doing like. like drone synthesizer type things kind of an old tins and things like that because at the time i was big into analog synthesizers and things like that and i kind of hadn't been you know as obsessed with guitar i just kind of got bored with it for a while (laughs) and so i was trying to make things that you know made beeps and boops and that kind of thing and then people started to want to you know plug guitars into those so that's sort of what kind of led to the drones going from initially kind of like a tabletop you know noisemaker to being sort of a floor pedal that you could plug a guitar in but and then after doing that i guess you know you just started to be like well maybe i could figure out how to make you know xyz pedal a delay pedal or a phaser or distortion or fuzz or whatever and you just start to you know experiment and try and make i mean a lot of it for me was just a learning process it was like if i wanted to make my own you know a boost pedal or whatever why try and you know review the sort of the circuits that are out there but try and you know make one that that appealed to me and had the features i wanted or whatever so Pretty much all the stuff has either been kind of a happy accident, uh, a silly idea, or just sort of, you know, trying to make something that I wanted instead of buying it, <laughs> basically. Um, and as far as like, yeah, if you look at the site there, I guess, you know, my, my favorites are probably like you mentioned the drone tone, because that one, I guess, has probably been, and so, you know, it's been updated a number of times with new features or whatever, but it's still a pretty simple device, basically just makes a an oscillator that makes a pitch tone that can be, you know, either pretty low or pretty high in pitch, but you can, you can sort of tune it into a, a note your guitar would be tuned to, and then it can be a constant pitch or it can be a, a pulsed pitch at a certain rate based on the tap tempo or whatever. So I don't think most people get that one, but it's always been kind of one I like to just tune it to an E or an A or something, and then I can kind of noodle along with it and sometimes run it into other pedals, sort of create some weird sonic artifacts too. And then I guess beyond that, probably the air trash is sort of a, I don't know, it's probably the most popular one, surprisingly. I thought it was just kind of silly at first, <laughs> that maybe I'd sell 10, of, sell 10 of them or whatever. And it is still kind of a silly pedal, but after making, you know, hundreds of them now and making hundreds of demos of it, I've kind of come to love it just because I've played with it so much, you know, I sort of have a lot of, and I've seen other people do interesting things with it. So that one I feel is like maybe stands out more as something that's, different you know it's not just you know the 10th version of a phase or the 10th version of a, a vibrato or tremolo or whatever just because there's so much of that stuff out there already that's really great so um just to get everybody up to speed on this uh vince brought this to our attention i think last year on the on the show we, we i think we talked at length about the uh air trash just from a pure marketing standpoint because <laughs> if you read the description on your site the air trash is a pedal for guitar or bass that sounds like absolute garbage which is awesome but if you go to the second paragraph i love how you do i'm doing air quotes for those that can't see it it works well air quotes <laughs> with guitar or bass I, I love i love everything about your marketing and uh your brain it's awesome well, well i mean it's, it's kind of funny because i don't I don't, I don't really do much marketing. I like, honestly, with that pedal, like I just felt, I kind of felt bad that it sounded like it did. So I just wanted to make sure that people really knew that they had to have really low expectations, I guess, for it. Cause I didn't want a bunch of 
people being like, you know what I mean? I didn't want to say, this sounds amazing. And then people would be like, this sounds awful. You know what I mean? And then I have to take a bunch of returns. So I was just like, if I maybe I should just like be totally, you know, as honest as possible and be like, it really does sound, you know, bad in a lot of the settings or whatever. It's not like any, it's not like any, it doesn't make any sound that you heard on a record or whatever that you're trying to emulate. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's I actually, like, I think what your idea is, is explained pretty well in your description of what the knobs do. The blue knob controls the output level. And then I could not come up with the words to properly describe what the red and yellow knobs do. So I created those icons in an attempt to illustrate what words could not describe. <laughs> 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 that is incredible copy. That is so good. Well, thanks. Yeah, I don't mean, I don't, I don't really... I just kind of try and make it entertaining for myself. You know, it's kind of a big art project, so. <laughs> You're doing a great job. And I also, so, I also kind of like truth in advertising. I don't, I'm not very good. You know, sometimes I'll, you can use some hyperbole in your product descriptions or whatever, but usually I do it for an amusing reason. But uh, I don't know. I like to be honest about stuff. I don't know if it's the the best thing for you, you know. I can't say. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, I'm just trying to figure out ex those illustrations. I mean, I'll be honest, don't mean a ton to me. Um, but if it, you know, if it, if it, if it works, it works, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I could have put some random word on there, but I'm not sure it would have done any better job. Of uh, random icons way better. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think right now. Oh, we haven't really done it. I, I know we've talked a little bit because you're not actively playing in the, as a musician right now. Is that right? Not any, you know, gigging bands or anything like that at this point, no. Do you have a board? Do you have a board? I don't have one set up still. <laughs> I thought about setting one up recently. I actually got a bunch of stuff out, and I was going to do it, but then I just kind of lost my will, and I was just like, yeah, I'll just plug the one in I want to use whenever I want to use it, I guess. Well, if you can't give us a tour of your board, can you give us a tour of the pile of pedals that you plan to build a board out of? Well, like I mean, besides my own, what were you going to put on there? Primarily, it would be just my own, but I guess some of the other pedals that I'm fans of that I do have, like I love the Boss OC2 Octave. I guess mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of. That's a pedal I used to always have on on boards when I was gigging a small board. Uh, other than that, I usually just like something to make it a little bit louder, like a boost or you know a bit gritty or something like that. And then I used to use a wah quite a bit, but haven't had really used one in years. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm not very fun with the, the pedal board. That's why it's kind of funny I make pedals because I don't, I've never been a big pedal board guy and I don't think I ever will be. So <laughs> I do like to, you know, plug some in together to make videos and make sounds or for recording and stuff like that. But even if I, you know, if I, even, if I was gigging tomorrow, I wouldn't have a big pedal board. I'd probably have three pedals on it or something, four pedals. Um, before we get to those four pedals, you sound like uh, like a Sisyphus. And I don't know if people are totally familiar with the, the myth of Sisyphus, but he just rolled a boulder up a hill constantly to have it roll back down on him. And I mm -hmm. feel like you're just in there like, oh, I'm going to make a sweet pedal. I'm going to make a sweet pedal and maybe put it on my board. And then you get done with it and you're like, Dang it! I'm gonna I'm 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 writing some copy and it's out the door. I'm gonna build another pedal because you never put anything on your board. Yeah, I mean it's just that I don't really have a board, I guess. But 
If I did, I guess it would probably be, I'd put the drone tone and the air trash on there. Uh, a tuner, of course. I'd probably put the boss, OC2. Uh, some sort of delay, maybe mine or maybe somebody else's. It's hard to say, depending on what I needed. And then uh, probably the inflection point, I guess, for tremolo and things like that. But that'd be about it. Yeah, the drone the drone tone is definitely what I've got my eye on. I'm pretty stoked on that. What's the actually what's the difference between the drone tone Mark III and the double double gate drone synthesizer? Uh the double gate drone is just kind of a noisemaker. It it doesn't really it's just like sort of two free running oscillators with pitch and rate control. So it's pretty much always going. And you can sort of tune those together, but it doesn't have like a audio pass through or whatever, so it's more just an output only for making you know trying to make your star wars sounds or whatever (laughs) (laughs) nice um do you like when you're you know what like give us a like a little perspective into your like your lair your workbench uh what are you plugging in to test your pedals uh what are you what's your rig kind of like for for testing and, and your production stuff sure yeah i guess uh I just have like a sort of a big long uh, desk in the basement uh, in the room that has the concrete floor <laughs> and uh, it, it's like it can go up and down but I mostly stand for doing that stuff for for soldering and things like that but I just have like a little it's changed over time I might have had a variety of amps down there for testing but currently it's just like a little tube head that I built from a kit some years ago just into a 112 gap because that's nice and clean and it doesn't need to be real loud and I I use that for most of the testing of things at the breadboard and whatnot and then uh, upstairs I have just like one of those tone master deluxe reverbs and I do do a lot of demos with that or testing with that because it's a pretty neutral boring kind of amp so and what kind of guitar are you plugging into those uh, it's been a variety. I just had two headless guitars for quite a while, but I both sold both of those today. So I'm back to uh, more like Strat and Telecaster guitars primarily. Single coil. I can't seem to... I mostly play clean now, so I don't really need the humbucker. And I find my hearing is maybe too ruined. To, not, <laughs> I need the high end of the, the clarity of the single coil. <laughs> and I actually just bought uh, two guitars because I've... I've always kind of wanted a smaller guitar, just a bit smaller, because I'm not a real big dude, you know? Like, the guitars are always, like, kind of felt just, like, a little bit too big. And so I've had, like, a lot of Duo Sonics and, you know, mini strats and kids' guitars over the years, but they're almost, like, you know, they're just a little too small. So, But I found Japan Fender came out with this Junior Collection where they're, like, I don't know, they're, like, 94% or 90% of the size or something, and they have a 24-inch scale, so... I got I got the Strat already and I'm liking it and then I ordered a Tele of that same series. That's awesome. But so you know how it is. Like so, right now I'm convinced that'll be the guitars I'll have forever. But probably six months they'll both be sold and I'll be on to the next thing. So. Yeah, I was wondering, <laughs> did you sell Vince your headless guitars today? Because he loves <laughs> headless guitars. Nope. <laughs> I think it was Vince. Was Sounds like Vince likes nicer headless guitars than I had. So. I don't know. I've uh, I've really I've only had my hands on one, and it was Aristides custom guitars. So um, obviously, like on the higher end. But uh, for a long time, there weren't 
a ton of companies that I knew about making them and, and especially not like the, uh, I guess the big name brands. Um, I think Ibanez was like the first one that I knew that started making them. Um, but it was always, uh, like, like Fender and Gibson and none of those, uh, companies had anything like that. No, it was just Steinberg or whatever back in the day. Yeah. I think had a yep. weird head, headless guitar or something like that. Yeah, I've yeah. had the Strandberg, which is which I liked pretty well, but it was kind of like, like a, a, it had his humbucker in the bridge, which I don't really like, kind of a super strat. And then I had a one of the Ibanez Q series that I actually really liked. It was a pretty nice guitar. Uh, and then I had like this jam stick MIDI guitar that was also headless headless okay. guitar they're kind of good for couch playing and things like that and yeah being lightweight uh, but it is kind of hard to get used to them you know and also like i didn't gig with them so i don't know you know with a string break or a string change you know mid-set or whatever it probably would be a little bit of a headache <laughs> yeah sure well and, uh i think last time we talked you were um you had mentioned that the those were almost like kind of a solution to what you were just saying where like it felt like a smaller thing that you could like chill on the couch and play it and it wouldn't, ha uh, it wouldn't be so uncomfortable and you could yep. like lazily lean back without the, without the head hitting anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like something, if, I just feel like a little bit smaller guitar is a lot more comfortable, comfortable for me. You know, you I'm, know like, I'm like, I'm on like, like five, eight or something, 130 pounds. So, you know, a yeah. big six foot, 250 pound guy can pay, play a guitar and it's a regular size. But for me, it always felt like, I don't know, just a wee bit on the big side. I've always liked little, littler things. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at this junior series that you're mentioning right now. Um, so it's kind of fun. I got some fun colors. Yeah. yeah I, I'm looking at the shell pink, uh, telly and strat yeah, I got, from that I got, series. I got the shell pink strat and it's got, it's got like a satin finish on the body, which is kind of nice versus a, glossy finish no it, it did you go maple neck the one i'm looking at right now is a maple neck versus rosewood what are you at uh the i wanted, I wanted the, pink the pink strat and the only option was maple unfortunately okay. but with the yeah. with the telly i ordered a the daphne blue one with the rosewood fingerboard on the telly that's supposed to be here hopefully in a week or so but oh this is cool i'm into them so a 24 inch scale length 90 percent of the original size is that right Something around there, yeah. I think it might. Even, I don't know if it's ninety four percent or something, but they are like you know just enough smaller, and you definitely would notice the change in scale length a bit. I think. Oh, for sure. That's interesting because like um, the Corey Wong signature Strat is actually a. I think. Yeah, his is a bit tinier too. I heard. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I think the scale length stayed the same, but the body was definitely smaller. Um, so those are cool. Well, yeah. Thanks for turning these. Onto them. I'm looking at the shell pink's the way to go, though. I think in both series for me. Um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Like, I thought about getting both in pink, but then I was like, should I get two pink guitars? I'm really committing to pink then, but maybe, <laughs> maybe should have done it. I mean, it feels like a. I feel like it feels like something like uh, Billy Gibbons would do. Like he would commit to like having a matching Telly and Strat for sure. So, I mean. He kind of feels like I he does not, the right thing all the time, and he's, his brand is strong. I'm feeling like I blew it now. I kind of feel like I blew it. Well, I mean, there's you can always, I mean, again, this revolving door is constantly rotating. So you know, in yeah, comes the Daphne oh blue, God. out goes the Daphne blue. Um, you know, see how I, you feel. I wish I had got. I would like to think I would have gotten over it by now, but oh my God, it just gets worse. I think like 
I think I'm over it. You know, I can go three or six months and I don't trade anything out or whatever. And then it's just like I like fell off the wagon or something. And I started buying and selling and trading. And, oh, my God, just losing all my money, basically, and shipping fees and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know what? Um, <laughs> you're amongst friends here, Matt. Uh, at least you're selling your stuff. Um, <laughs> Vince and I don't, don't do that very well. We definitely buy stuff and just hoard it. We're, I mean... <laughs> They're yeah. like, uh, discovery is going to have a show about us for sure. Uh, it's, you know, you're doing pretty good if you're getting rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get, get rid of a lot. Like, like if something I just looks at me the wrong way one day, I'm just like, you're out of here, bud. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't like the way that felt today. That guitar, that guitar kind of sucks. sucks. We're what done. You, yeah. Like, and then <laughs> I don't want to have this feeling. I usually regret again. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I usually regret it a few months later when I buy it back and like, ah, the other one was better. You had like, something. You post that Craigslist lad. Hey, uh, buyer, um, that guitar is on, you know, like in lost <laughs> misconnections part of Craigslist. Um, <laughs> looking for your, looking to buy back your guitar, willing to pay a premium. That's fine. But um, let's talk about some of those regrets. Some like, you know, if, if we were to go through, you know, your over the last whatever, you know, two decades of gear sales, any, any notable oh ones God. that you're like, oh man, I really shouldn't have, shouldn't have got rid of that Klon. Uh, probably, probably not, not so, so much, much stuff, stuff that, that I shouldn't have gotten rid of, but stuff that I shouldn't have bought in the first place. Cause I knew I was just going to get rid of it, you know, <laughs> cause I know how I am, you know, especially like this happens to me more times than I can count just recently. Again, like I'll like go into a guitar shop and I'll be like, you know, I don't really have any like real nice guitars cause I can't handle it mentally having like a three or $4,000 guitar just feels like. I owe it too much or something, I think is the term. <laughs> like you're not worthy, like that kind of or, thing? Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's not so much that. It's just that like, yeah, like I can't really like justify having it when like the $100 guitar like does most of what the other, you know what I mean? Like it's not 40 times as good as the uh, Squire guitar I got or whatever, you know? So like yeah, yeah. it starts to like, it starts to wear at me like uh, you probably just, you know, could have got a couple of mid-range guitars, you know, not this one really nice one you know? and sure. it's kind of this so i do that all the time so i just recently i bought yeah i went and bought to a guitar store and i was like you know i pick so you pick up a guitar and it feels really good and you're just like i should probably just get it because you usually don't, you don't usually every guitar i pick up in the store i kind of hate or it's not in tune or it doesn't you know what i mean it just doesn't feel right like it hasn't been worked on or set up but this particular one felt really good and i was like i should just get it i you know i deserve it i should just get it you know <laughs> of course i get it and then of course, I want to return it like four days later, you know, and then I got to pay the restocking fee because. Uh, what was it? And it's worth it. What'd you get? It, oh, it was a sewer strat. It was that. Oh. No, what's that guy? Mateus uh, Sato. It was his yeah. signature strat. I mean, I, I really like him, but it wasn't like I was getting it as a fan of him. It was just that particular guitar felt really How cool. How much does one of those so, go for? I don't know. It was like you know 3800 bucks or something plus oh tax, that's a so. pretty big that's a pretty good i never have only once in my life have i ever walked into a guitar shop and walked out with a three thousand dollar guitar like on a whim right like usually i that's like i'll i'll just i'll just wait till somebody else buys it and then i'll regret somebody else buying it that's like my motto <laughs> is like you know i call and i'm like yo tell me about it and i talk to people about it i kick the tires a little bit and then i just right. him and haw until it's gone and then i don't have to spend the money but <laughs> that's better usually what i do is like when i just can't handle not getting it you know what i mean in this case it was just like a dumb mistake i think i was just in a good mood you know what i mean and like i did have the money like 
saved up and i think i was just like oh yeah it's a good day i'm having a good day it's saturday i feel really good you know i get this no problem i can handle it you know i'm thinking like yeah i'll just have it forever it'll be fine it's just the perfect you know what i mean it's gonna play really good and then oh my god and then of then course it looked at you wrong man like, it's it would feel way better not to have that i would spend money not to have that here right now like <laughs> So, I mean, it's kind of a therapy session, I guess, now, guys. But that's how it goes for me. It's, it's still coming up. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, let's let's talk about that, where you're located. I was just in Minneapolis, and I'll, I'll tell you my experience when it comes to guitar shops. But maybe you could share with the fan club, like, what are some good guitar shops in your area that people should go visit? Well, I mean, the big one here is Dave's Guitar Shop. He's got one of the biggest guitar shops around almost in the country almost, but he's got his own collection upstairs of like all vintage stuff, like a lot. So anybody that loves guitar owes themselves a walk up there because he's really got quite the, <laughs> quite the collection together of stuff you could check out if you're into that. But I mean, I used to work at the store like 15, 16 years ago and I could barely leave there with a paycheck. So Dave already knows how I am. Uh, <laughs> but so, He saw you coming. But now, but now everybody that works there is like some young, you know, I mean, it's like one person from the old crew or whatever, as it were. So, so is that they, actually you in know, your town? Yeah, it's in La Crosse. Yeah. Dave's Guitar Shop. Davesguitar.com. Yeah. I'm looking at Dave's Guitar. Like, I know Dave's Guitar. I didn't know that was that. That was in your town. Yeah. Yeah. So we're pretty lucky. So that's, so that's a pretty, pretty unusual cool shop, shop to have. I mean, up in the cities, of course, Twin Town's a great shop. Uh. What is a Willie's in St. Paul is cool. I'm not so sure about some of the, I don't know of the new ones. I don't live up there anymore. So, but back in the day, that's, those were the good shops. So we, we had a day, uh, when we arrived a half day to explore and in Minneapolis is where we flew into for this job. And it was great because my first AC, my first camera assistant and my, uh, the sound mixer, um, for the job, I had no idea we're both guitar players. And so we had like the greatest effects pedal fan club field trip ever. Cause nobody, nobody on jobs ever is like really like, you, you might find like one other guitar person, but the other person's like, oh, let's go see a movie or something. But when I was like, hey, do you mind going to guitar shops? And both of them were like, yeah, that's all I want to do. Uh, so that's we fun. went to Twin, is it Twin City Guitars? Twin, Twin Town. Yeah. Twin Town Guitars. Twin Town. That shop is awesome. Like a really good shop. Yeah, good. Good and then we went there. to Diablo. Okay, yeah, that's a good spot too. Yeah, that's a new. Yeah, they had some of your pedals Saint in there, which was cool. Um, but yeah, it was and then we went by Prince's place, like to see his house. Oh, nice! Yeah, I've never even seen that. It's so Is that weird. Pretty cool? No, it's super weird. It's like, um, I think it was like an event center or something, where he like had his recording facility, but because it was basically across the street from like a Home Depot behind um, like a public works building. It was the weirdest place ever, but it was, I guess like in the story is like 2005 or something like he was getting a divorce. So he demolished his mansion like so that he couldn't lose it in the divorce and then moved into this recording facility. So that's why it looked like a, um, like a community college meets an office building. It was really bizarre, but it was, I mean, anyways, great day of guitar, guitar shopping. We didn't buy anything, but those two guitar shops are really, really cool. And, um, if, if I knew Dave's was where you're at, I would have rerouted our entire trip and drove the long way just to go to this, to Dave's cause it looks amazing. Yeah. They're pretty stacked up with inventory right now. I've never seen so many 
guitars in there, but I'm not really good at trying stuff out at the store. Kind of stresses me out. Totally. I like to plug. Could you imagine what it's like playing in front of eighty thousand people? No, no, no. Well, let's get back into the metaverse. What, I guess, like the design build process, like, you know, I'm just curious, what does it take to build? Let's, I mean, we could talk right now about, um, the, uh, the Flora Volt, right? So it's a, it's a, the first pedal to ever be powered by fruit or citric acid, or I don't know exactly if you want to describe it, but let's, let's take that pedal specifically, go through the, the ideation of it and then how long it took to build. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it can be powered by a lot of fruit, different fruits or like a potato or whatever. I don't know. I just had, I knew that I had like heard somewhere that like, well, you know, you always see those like classroom experiments where they like light up a light bulb with oranges or whatever. So you think, well, there must be some voltage there, right? So I just had like on a little list to like check it out. So I finally, you know, stopped being lazy and got out some probes and like probed some different things like a potato uh, and just a variety of stuff around. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's like a really low voltage, you know, but like maybe I could, what could I power with it? Uh, and I'd already been working on a really like low power circuit for the solar sound that, uh, not so much that like it, it's low voltage, but I think it's just that there's really no current to speak of to sort of drive the circuit. So uh, the circuit for both those is a really pretty simple, you know, kind of like a transistor clipping type setup. Uh, and I don't know, I just thought it was kind of funny that it was enough to like audibly change the guitar sound. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the, you know, it didn't sound like your favorite distortion pedal for sure or <laughs> some boutique overdrive, but it did like certainly distort your guitar in some way. And it did seem like it could have been psychosomatic, but as I, you know, test it with a potato versus a banana versus an apple or whatever, like it kind of felt like they sound different, you know I mean? I think it's probably just seeing it, but I don't know. And I was just kind of like, I got to make some of these. And then it was a lot of, for that, it was like the circuit was super simple. You know, like the circuit design part was easy. It was more the, I got to like source basically these parts to make it, which is like the electrodes or whatever, which is like, in this case is like a zinc coated uh, bolt. And then it's a copper, toilet screw uh <laughs> because i spent a lot of time looking for copper screws that i could buy you know in all these different places in some way in bulk but a lot of bronze but a lot of not that were actually copper which i would i needed for the the circuit or whatever to make the organic battery uh so it was a lot of trying to figure out what would work and then trying to figure out a way to like mount those to a metal box where i have to keep one of them the copper one separated from the box otherwise it'll ground out you know it won't make it work so kind of like a lot of little more like mechanical problems i guess <laughs> to solve and then trying to figure yeah figure out a way that like you could set it up so that like of course the fruit is gonna drip or whatever it's liquids out so it's got to be like relatively robust against that getting inside the pedal you know what i mean long term it probably wouldn't be a positive so a lot of went into trying to figure out sort of novel ways to take care of that Maybe a thing you could clean to a certain degree. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking like the uh, that's kind of an interesting uh, thing that you have to think about specifically with that pedal that isn't 
on most pedals where it's like this is probably going to have uh liquid dripping onto it from the power source yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so that, a lot of that stuff what i find with building pedals is like you might have an idea that you want to do you know x y or z but then you think about well how many you know i kind of think about how many knobs it takes which is how many potentiometers which is sort of what you're limited with space wise or how many jacks you know like those mm -hmm. are the things you're going to have to sort out and then you know how you can build it how long is it going to take to build it and then what you can sell it for you know to make it worthwhile building it and then also if you're going to be able to like mentally handle doing all that labor man that type of manual labor to build it like <laughs> the floor yeah. bolt's pretty like a headache to build you know because i'm like i have like yeah. a big screw gun with like, like this, this hex, hex thing on it and i'm like trying to you know, I'm trying to like lock and solder like the connections I have to those so I can connect it to the circuit on the inside or whatever. Like those are like lock nutted down there and then soldered and then there's a whole bunch of <laughs> bolts and you know, washers and you know what I'm saying? Like it's a whole thing more so yeah. than some of the other pedals. Did um as far as like the actual pieces of the circuit, was there like did it need any special parts? I know you t you kind of mentioned a little bit like the uh, you had to like keep the copper parts separate and away from the box so like it didn't ground. But was there any like uh, any parts that were different in the Floravolt that you had to use um, because of the way that pedal's built? Uh, really, just those electrodes, and then trying to figure out a way to like you know securely connect something to those that would be connected to the circuit to you know gotcha power power or whatever power. and then yeah, as, as far as sort of like the development i mean like the the topology of the transistor circuit is super simple you know it's probably a handful of parts uh it was more so i trusted you know a whole a whole lot of different transistors i have on hand and made little notes you know and compared them and kind of did a shootout but yeah uh it just ended up with actually a pretty basic one sounding the best and then also was kind of like with the it sort of depended on like the sort of the power reserve capacitor and that type of a circuit or whatever too <laughs> had an effect on the sound for whatever reason uh do you do any um all of your testing like with your testing a pedal is it done specifically with you plugging it in and listening to it like everything's audio based or is there any like specific measurement tools that you use uh when testing a circuit like along with uh the sound that it makes afterwards i pretty much am a sound only i mean you can te i test like signal path if i'm trying to solve an issue or whatever oh, i'll okay. test around for that but no yeah i don't have like most of my stuff isn't too sophisticated or meant to be you know like audiophile grade probably yeah <laughs> as far as like being like a reference amplifier type of thing so i don't yeah. do any sort of like consistent sine wave testing or anything like that unless i'm trying to locate an issue okay i mean i i love that because i mean the idea of especially when you're not necessarily going for a specific sound like from the initial idea you're kind of um dialing it into the way that you want it to sound and not necessarily uh there's not a specific destination in sight yeah yeah i mean i kind of I'm kind of following my own muse to a certain degree. So, you know, right. I used to probably, I probably do less testing with, you know, a variety of different amps and guitars as I used to, you know, I used to always be like, 
play with the humbucker guitar through this type of amp or whatever. But it was just like, yeah. it's not possible for me to test every scenario. You know what I mean? Everybody's gear chain is unique to them or whatever. And it's not going to be possible for me to. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? I have to be like, be reasonable about it. So if it sounds good, you know, <laughs> yeah. plugged in director through what I'm used to hearing all my other effects in my whole life or whatever, then I'll yeah, say it's good. It's, <laughs> it's probably not very scientific, but no. Well, I mean, that's kind of what, uh, I think what makes it cool is like, it's a, it's a journey along with the like, uh, creative portion of it. Um, where it's, yeah, it's, uh, creativity, not necessarily a, a science project or pure yeah, I mean, science I project. I, I kind of wish I was better at the, you know, like the building widgets side of it or whatever, but uh-huh. that's just kind of like a byproduct of wanting to make stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been, been as good, good probably at optimizing. I kind of have in my own way, but probably, you know, not in the smartest way, I suppose, but. I mean, it's you, you, you have to do what works for you too. Cause uh, if you, I feel like if your system uh, works and it, and, and as long as you're happy with it, like you don't want to do anything that deviates uh, you from the process or like the drive of wanting to finish a product or make something or uh, yeah, the creativeness of it. Like, um, yeah, how do I want to describe this? It's almost like not wanting to uh, kind of, hold yourself back by following a specific process rather than just kind of uh, letting yourself go. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely do have, you know, processes along with how I build a batch of things or whatever. I got all kinds nice. of time every moment of it. You know, I've, I've done all yeah. that stuff. It's more so just like uh, sort of in the way, the way that I make things is not probably like real ordered, I guess. It's just that <laughs> I'm sort of yeah. following my interest as I can and then, it might peter out or it might not, but yeah, <laughs> I find, I find lately I'm feeling kind of un, uninspired pedal wise. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just, but it's like, it's a cycle like anything else. So. Right. It's just a uh, part of the metaverse. Yep. Yeah. So maybe it sort of moves a little bit back and then I play guitar more for a couple of weeks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, like what, like what I'm hearing is like you build, you design pedals for an audience of one and some, you, you really, it doesn't feel like you have, um, I mean, you're really, it is an art, you've described it as an art project, but you're following your muse and just trying to decide you, you're building stuff that you think is cool for Matt and basic. I mean, basically, yeah. yeah I mean, a couple, a couple times, times I've tried to like, Oh, I'll make something, something I think people need or want, but that never really works out for me, you know? And plus like, I, that's not really my skill set. You know, there's so many, talented engineers and pedal makers out there that like make really incredible stuff where they've, you know, dotted every I and crossed every T, you know what I mean? And like, I can't compete with that. And I don't really have any interest in competing with that. I just, I make my weird stuff. And if you like, you know, if you like it or you like the sounds it makes, then maybe it's for you, but I'm not going to say it's, you know, you have to have it or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that's true. Well, if yeah. some let's just say somebody uh, listening, somebody in the fan club wants to get into the metaverse, do they do they dip their toes or do they just go all in with a drone or something? What would you recommend as an entry point into the metaverse? Uh, 
I don't know. I think I do a pretty wide variety. So I, you know, it depends on if you're if you're just looking for a pedal to to fill a job or whatever, then maybe look at more like the like the the Warble Swell Echo or the Just a Phase or the Inflection Point for like vibrato. Those are kind of more or the Bad Passenger Fuzz. Those are kind of more like do traditionally what they say. You know what I mean for the most part. Maybe with some quirks, but you know what I'm saying. They're basically yep. a phaser pedal, not. <laughs> A thing that makes sounds or whatever but if you want to make i think like as far as it's sort of a far out guitar pedal like a gain based guitar pedal that is original sounding in the air trash but you know don't expect you're going to be able to use it in all the ways you'd use another distortion pedal necessarily so it's going to replace the distortion pedal on your board yeah, yeah. i mean i don't know <laughs> i'm not very good at this part of it i don't really i don't like i kind of just like to I like to make stuff and then I show it to people and then give them the option to buy it. That's sort of the extent of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I love it. And then if people buy it, then I make more of the thing they bought. And if they don't, then I stop making that thing. It's not that, you know what I mean? Like, and most <laughs> of the ideas aren't very good. And once in a while, like people like them. So I don't know. What's uh what's one that's been canceled that you just brought to market and then got like canceled. Oh, one of the early ones was this one called the, it was a drive pedal that had like the two clipping LEDs were like visible from the top or whatever. I only made like, because I, what I used to always do, and I still actually do primarily is I make like 10 of something, you know, and then, because that way I can get one to have for my collection, right. my record. And then if I sell the other nine or whatever, then... I definitely have enough money to do 10 more or whatever. So, and then, and then I can kind of gauge interest, you know, like maybe I do 20 more instead, or maybe I don't do any more, you know, yeah, it yeah. takes a long time to move those, but you kind of find sometimes, you know, people, I don't do a very good job of marketing or I should say, I don't pay for marketing rarely if ever. So it takes a while for stuff to get around when you don't have 60 people doing a demo of it on the day it comes out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What um so the 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 visible clipping circuits that's just it's it's not it's not you only have the one in your collection and then nine other people and that's it. Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I, I guess it sounded some people liked it. I don't know. I just like I kind of kept trying to do like drive pedals and I just realized like I don't know whenever I would make them they didn't sell for whatever reason, so I don't I don't really do much gain-based stuff anymore. Um, you did mention uh, your fuzz, which what's what's it called again? Oh, the bad passenger fuzz. Bad passenger. I love the name of it. Um, what? So Vince is Vince is kind like kind of Vince. Are you, are you a fuzz guy? Or are you just like a muff guy? I, I always kind I, of forget where where you lit live. I don't know. Like initially, um, I mean, fuzz pedals just kind of drew me in. This being like these very big dirty sounding you know pedals where you can you know have a strat and it just turns it into this doom machine basically uh and i don't know i mean i'm i'm a lover of fuzz but i think as far as like my the tone that i prefer when i'm you know playing guitar um i tend to kind of lean towards the like the the muff sound scoop mids heavy um, yeah. that whole thing right yeah so 
me, I'm kind of like the opposite. You know, I live in the mids, but you know, I also love fuzz. So I guess, you know, it, it is a rabbit hole that you can go down, Matt, and you've been going down these rabbit holes for two decades now or whatever. Do you have a favorite fuzz that you're just like, oh, I love that fuzz or a few I mean, favorite kinda, fuzzes? Uh, not really. I almost never, I almost has never had a fuzz pedal in my life really, for, for the most part. Uh, of your revolving door, a, there's no fuzz that just like you don't cycle through fuzzes. Strangely, no. I mean, I've had some. I probably had more overdrive pedals over the years and fuzz, but never really had any fuzz. And that's probably why I, my fuzz, my kind of perspective on fuzz is like, it just starts where like the overdrive ends or whatever, as far as a gain structure. <laughs> that's that's how I look at it from a sonic perspective. Like you know, what I mean, it starts all the way on for the most part. I know that's not how like all fuzz circuits are for sure, but that's yeah, kind of I mean, how I look at them. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. I, I just feel like fuzz distortion overdrive. It's all the kind of the same thing to me. It's just like how much distortion is on it or how it's voiced, I guess. Yeah. They're definitely different things, but it, in my brain, like it kind of works the same way where it's like this, uh, it's basically a, just a linear path from like, the edge of breakup like a tube screamer all the way to like the end of a the fuzz where it's like you have like that drive and then it starts getting into overdrive and then into distortion and then into fuzz where like it basically if you could keep just cranking a gain knob uh as far as you could that's kind of like the path it would take but i i know yeah i mean that, I, think, I think that's what i'm yeah i mean kind of it's like all on a spectrum but it's just like all of it's clipping the guitar signal in yeah. some way it's just like the fuzz is clipping it the most intensely yeah. or square squaring it off the most or whatever yep yep you're just basically saying on your distortion you max it out and once it's maxed out eh, you need another pedal like you need a fuzz pedal so just to tr- keep turning the knob further right basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of that's kind yeah. of how I see it from like a, a like how it would go from a perspective anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I still feel like they're like, a, you know, they, they have these weird magical cleanup properties that I don't understand. To me, they, I've mapped them into like a different um, genus species space. And I don't, I, I'm probably not doing it right. But in my world, they're no, I mean, totally I think different that, creatures. That makes sense. I think I'm just kind of a dummy because I never really used them that much. So I never really... <laughs> I never really like got it, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I yeah, wasn't yeah, like, yeah. everybody's like, people, people like know the, I don't know what the muff sound is. Like I hear people describe it and I've listened to Smashing Pumpkins too or whatever, but I don't really like, I don't, that isn't, I think maybe I think the way you, I hear the sounds and stuff or think about it isn't the way that most people traditionally do. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think if like, you're like Smashing Pumpkins, you're listening to like, like 1700 muffs. Like you're just like, they're listening to every muff that was ever made, right? Just stacked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so like if you're, so we know you're not like super into fuzz and drive, like what is like, you know, if you're, if you're going to plug into some, some pedals, like, and you said also like kind of, you're now you're in this like clean stage of your guitar playing and, uh, those are where your tastes lie. Like, what are you, what are you hip to now when it comes to, um, like affecting the signal of your guitar, like delays, reverbs, modulation, what's, what's, what kind of headspace are you in now? Uh, I've been playing with a lot more reverb. I never really, I never cared about reverb in my youth. I never wanted an amp with reverb. It never mattered to me, you know, because I was playing mostly like overdriven tones to some degree, I guess. And then I don't know. I'm really liking 
like clean with <laughs> reverb. I guess it speaks to my to my age. You know, 42. I guess he just likes clean guitar with <laughs> reverb now. It's so sad, but it's true. Yeah, basically just that. You know, sometimes. I mean, I don't know. I make so many. I make demos like a lot, like a lot of demos. So I kind of get my. It's kind of like part of my job to like plug in a pedal. You know, make a video with it constantly. So. I kind of don't really plug into pedals that much when I'm not taping it, I guess. It's kind of sad. So nothing sad about this because I'm in the same boat as you. Vince will be there eventually, but it's just clean guitar. I actually add a little compression to mine, but basically a crazy amount of reverb is what I'm into right now. An insane amount of reverb, compression, and clean guitar just sounds unreal to me. So we're I'm curious about this new uh, echo pedal that came out the other day. Everybody's got on there what's this like a spring echo fix or something it's got a little spring in there what is this our new section of the segment because i don't know it came out a a couple days ago who makes it cool i think the company's called echo fix it looks like they make uh like a really like nice like a tape echo that's but this is like their more first and more affordable. Oh, is this the EFP2, like... the Echo Fix Spring Reverb pedal? Yeah. Whoa. Caught us off guard. Have you seen this, Vince? No, I have not. Are, are you looking at it right now, or do you want me to throw it in the chat? No, no, I am looking at it. I am in. I'm adding this to okay, cart just based on fun, the ergonomics of it. It's got a fun little VU meter lit up, and I think there's a little light on the spring, they say, so you can... Watch it vibrate, make shadows. What? The, so the only, the only, the other one we have that's in this world is the Game Changer Light pedal. Have you seen that one? Oh yeah, I haven't had a chance to try one of those, but they make some fun stuff. They make some fun stuff. I kind of put like Metaverse and Game Changer, basically in my world are like similar universes. Like you would definitely hang out together um, at like uh, I think, uh, maybe I think trade they do a much better job. At- What's that? Much better job. They do a much better job of it executing. They have a lot more sophisticated ideas than I do. Have you seen like their synthesizer that's motors or whatever yeah. generates yeah. the? Yeah. Um, that's but anyways, wild. I just I just kind of find that is a um, you ought, you fill unique spaces on people's boards, which I love. Um, we can this echo fix. I can't stop looking at them. There's none for there's none used right now. There's a lot of I guess it's brand new and it's a lot of free shipping, but man, it looks cool. So it is the echo fix EFP two for everybody that's listening to this, but we'll get back to the metaverse here. Cause you did mention your demos and I really want to talk about them. Cause people please go watch, um, the metaverse demos, but could you explain how you, the production that goes into them, how you make them? Cause I think it's a, it's a great behind the scenes of your lab. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not too complicated. I guess like, Early on, uh, when I first started getting on Instagram and this kind of stuff, I don't know, I just like, I wanted to make videos of the pedals for YouTube and all this stuff, but I, I always like thought about, you know, you want to remove the background, so I just went and got some green fabric at the fabric store. It's not the proper chroma key or whatever. I just got some green fabric and cut all their colored fabrics and stapled it to some boards and started, you know, just removing it sort of shoddily and <laughs> and final cut and then i used to do a lot more like layering i used to get a way bigger kick out of it than i do now probably i'm kind of 
do it in a sad, depressed manner probably now versus how I used to do it. But uh, I used to like, yeah, layer lots of different, you know, footage I'd take or sometimes found footage type stuff too in the background just to make it like, I don't know. I kind of view it like people are scrolling all day. Right. So like what's going to get them to stop for a second, I guess that's the only hope, I guess that they see your thing, you know, they have to like be drawn in somehow. So I thought, well, if the background's moving, it's better than just the pedal sitting there with the light glowing or whatever. I don't know. Lots of people like do these kind of fancy ones with lots of, you know, shots and stuff. Like the pedals, like looks kind of romantic and stuff. It's like a catches the sun ray. Like I, those are cool too, but that's like beyond my filmmaking abilities, unfortunately. So, what are you filming your pedals with, or is it just, or is it is it just it's, a photo of the pedal and then you're just throwing that on the? On the no, it's usually a video of the pedal. It probably should should be a photo more. It'd be easier in a lot of respects, but. Uh, it's just an iPhone. I've always just done it with whatever I love, I love iPhone I have. I tried I've, a, couple a couple times. times I, I like this is kind of like nice guitars. guitars. Like a couple times I've bought nicer cameras. You know, convinced myself that I would be able to like do better work with them. You know, and I just could never. It was just too much parameters. You know, I just got lost in the weeds, and I was just like, and it's harder to get. Like I don't know, with the phone, I can just airdrop it. To me, I'm kind of like a. Yeah. I have to do art fast, or I can't make it you know (laughs) so it does it sort of like limits the quality i'm able to produce like most of my like i don't know it's kind of like my pedals to a certain degree as well like it's all kind of like lo-fi relatively speaking you know but it's just like that's just how i operate unfortunately like i wish i could be real slow and meticulous but uh i am in certain degrees but for the most part like not in a from a creative perspective i'm not i'm kind of the same way creatively like um if I can reduce any type of friction, I'm all for it. Like just, just let me create. And, um, usually it's, it's, you know, that's just the world I op definitely just the, the reduce friction and create, reduce friction and create. Um, so I love the fact you're feeling (laughs) on iPhone and you're just out there in the world. I can just imagine you walking around, whether you're at like your uh, co-ed softball game or whatever, just filming, um, backgrounds, for your oh yeah, I guess, well, I, guess that's just, I, I guess I meant for the like the pedal itself as the phone, but I do have uh, I have had a couple things over the years for for the backgrounds. I do have like a, now I have like one of these little DJI like it's like a handheld little yeah, yeah, yeah which I know is, exactly it's like a little gim- yeah, it's like a little gimbaled one you know so, so I can get smoother, smoother walking walk. footage or whatever or driving footage. I like that. So I use I do that. I've had GoPros for that in the past, but. My GoPro's kind of broke. So, yeah, like, so a lot of the ocean stuff is all, like, a GoPro strapped to me. And then stuff like that I've done over the years. So and I recycle I, I recycle a lot of footage, too. You know, like, I'll kind of use a bunch of stuff over and over and chop it up in different ways for a couple months and then forget about it for a couple of years, and then I might use it again. So, so yeah, I've, re- I've attached, like, a GoPro to a lot of different things over the years and had some different you know, cameras for that type of thing, for sure, for backgrounds. Um, are you receptive to receiving footage? I guess I don't know. I've never considered it. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. that's what I do for a yeah, living probably. is make footage of stuff, and I have so much footage I want to see in a Metaverse demo. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah, that'll save me uh, some work. I will. I, but I did, just, I did just get a bunch of footage from a Colorado trip. I'm itching to use some of it. So, But, yes, yes yeah, yeah, I would, I would like, like to have some footage. footage. I, I've, I've gotten some, some stuff, stuff from... For a while, I did like big series of stuff with stuff from Prelinger archives, like old 
commercials and ads and whatever you can get public domain on there. I mean, I won't. Kind of I don't even need credit. I just would if I'm scrolling and I see some random footage I've shot in a metaverse, I'll just smile that day. It'll be like a good little highlight. So you just, oh, I'll send you. That, I'll send you stuff. That would make me feel better to know that at least one person is going to be smiling yeah. at that one. <laughs> <laughs> The sound is terrible, but that is a beautiful, beautiful image. <laughs> did did they did they did is he, did he just upgrade his camera to like an Aerie? Uh, yeah. What's going on over there? Yeah. You know, Matt, Matt still, still can't play in time, but it looks like he's buying buying his footage somewhere now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're running up on time, and we will go to Desert Island in just a second. Vince, do you have any um, uh, anything you want to in, inject into uh, the Matterverse, so to speak? I don't think so. Um, I mean, we've uh, obviously talked to Matt in the past um, bef- before this um, podcast is <laughs> recording, but uh, like pretty much the same thing I said last time as you've heard it before is like, did I keep creating? I think what you do is really cool. Um, I know there's um, at least two people in the world that pretty much love everything you do. Um, your brand is great. And, uh, I hope that you continue to create, um, even if there's not a huge market (laughs) for the, the pedals, they're cool and, uh, fun. Sweet. I appreciate it. Yeah. They definitely feel a cool, uh, a unique space on people's boards. Oh, one question we didn't get to before we go to desert Island rig is I think you just said it out loud, but you, you're a fan of the potato on the floor of Volt. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's my favorite. Yeah, something um, about it, just the you know, the, the working manness of the potato. I just feel like that's the kind of it is the, that's the kind the of tone you deserve. Food. You know, yeah, yeah, it's like everybody can get a potato. It's like it's covered in dirt. You know, like and it works like an old potato works too. It doesn't have to be a new one. It doesn't have to yeah, be yeah. a nice one either. It can be a crappy old one. And you still get some clipping out of it. <laughs> Rock some power cords through that potato. Um. That, you know, it's gonna. This is gonna change uh, Thanksgivings probably around the world, or at least around the U.S. Uh, next year for sure. Is people are gonna be eyeing the potatoes they want for the Floravolt? Um, nope. This one's not going into the salad. This one's not gonna be mashed. We're gonna push this one to the side because this one's got good tone. Um, <laughs> that's gonna affect our Thanksgiving for sure. Um, but anyways, Matt, thanks for coming on and chatting with us about the Metaverse and giving us a tour of your world. But we ask everybody that comes on, what is your desert island rig? Guitar, amp, and pedal. Who? One pedal, one guitar, one amp? Yep. Oh, dang, dang. I've ah. recently changed mine. This this world we live on in actually has electricity, so we but I was like, Oh yeah, I think the Floravolt's the right thing because you would it's a renewable source because of the coconut and banana trees on this island. <laughs> So, I, so if, but if I'm on the island, right, I, I don't have to play quiet. I can play. No, no. I'm just saying that the Floravolt is a very practical choice, but you can play any pedal you want. You can play as loud and I'm as just, you I'm want. Thinking about, I'm thinking about amp because like, yeah. there's a lot of amps I like that I've gotten rid of because I don't ever get a chance to wrap them up to the volume where I you know, really get to enjoy them. But Oh, I would say for amp, amp maybe, maybe matchless, matchless lightning, lightning 15, 15 with reverb, of course, because of my age now. Uh <laughs> Guitar, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to say telly, but I like to have the vibrato bar occasionally. It makes tuning kind of a pain sometimes, but 
I'm going to have to go just a plain Strat, single coils, no humbuckers. I can't hear those. And then pedal, one pedal. Ooh. I would say probably an echo of some sort. I don't know. Take Pick your favorite, I guess, at the time. Uh, you'd probably almost have to go digital just so you could have the long repeats. You could sort of loop yourself around. Play with it. Delay, that'd be fun on the island. That's my picks. Any specific delay or just a digital long, long repeats that has some emulation in it? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I got the delay I make, but it's, you know, it's not a, it's not doing like one second clean delays or whatever by any means and all that kind of fancy stuff. So I don't know. I don't, I have another one to say what it would be for sure. I haven't really, you know, a Line 6 DL4 is a good classic. Can't really That's go wrong there. Right there. Yeah. I don't need to get the new weird looking one. You got to get the old yeah. classic <laughs> one probably. A new one looks weird, doesn't it? I don't know. It's probably way better on the inside, but it looks weird on the outside. Yeah, I don't like the new, the the old. I also because I was such a big fan of the Line Six DL Four that I don't like change, and so I'm still into the old old one. I think it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I I it does it take like four C batteries. <laughs> also a weird battery for sure like yeah. what like c's are in like weird flashlights that you get from um like what white elephant they didn't last very long either. either they didn't last yeah. very long when i when <laughs> I, I used to the gig, gig i never wanted to use uh plug i only had like three pedals or whatever four pedals i always wanted them to be battery powered because it was a big headache to like have another cable stretching across that like the singer would kick or whatever oh, yeah. or i would i would trip over and fall into my amp like all so I always wanted everything to be battery powered, but trying to get like four C's, new four C's every gig was getting pretty pricey. Because <laughs> that DL4 sucks them down. Yeah. You buy batteries uh, in bulk per year. <laughs> yeah. I'm also just thinking, you know, you know, some like gaff tape and just taping that cord down is way better than going to Walgreens every place at the last minute to get C batteries. Well, for sure. But like for the most part, like in my boost pedal, like my battery lasted for like six months or whatever, and my tuner oh, okay. lasted forever. So it was like, that was like the only one that actually needed the power for the most part, you know, like that was drawing that required a cable to be running. I'm just kind of a minimalist when it comes to setup. I never really keep it simple when you have to strike your gear quick. Yeah, yeah. What um what kind of music were we playing back then? What kind of was the Metaverse doing? Oh, I was in high school and stuff and early twenties, hard hard rock for the most part. Yeah. I mean, you know, in cover bands, we played a whole variety of stuff in high school or whatever. But What's three songs from a, a cover band that you're playing then? Oh, my God. What age? Um, I don't know if we want to go by age. Let's. So when, you, when, when did you start playing a band? How old were you? Uh, probably four, 14 or 15. 14. So we're in the same like boat we started playing in the same bands at the same time so let's say like you've you've evolved a little you know maybe you've started making flyers you know the guy that books the um local place so maybe by the time you're 18 what you know 18 19 what are your what are three three songs that are coming up in a metaverse set list oh 18 19 well then there was no metaverse it was, it was, i was just, I was just playing guitar in a band so that's still uh, we the were... metaverse is uh <laughs> The metaverse, you are the metaverse, and you've been living it. So, what what do we got? Yeah. Uh, we played original songs about half the set, but uh, 
for covers, we would do Tool or we'd do wow. Deftones, Lip Biscuit, <laughs> Creed. Oh, okay. Paris to say we do, I and mean, we'd play yeah all that kind of like nineties radio, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. All, you know, I mean, just like all that range of stuff, and then also like kind of like some of the classic bar band songs like Cocaine and I don't know what, what are some other ones like I can't like Tom Petty songs or whatever you know like that we'd pick up watching like the older guy around town play at the cafe yeah. watch his fingers oh he's playing E minor and hey we can do that you know <laughs> so like <laughs> that's kind of like never really learning a lot of the songs right because we could just stumble our way through them but wow just following up like um like Limp Biscuit with like running down a dream just sounds oh like a wild crowd or you're probably just pl- yeah. playing for yourself yeah I mean I think we probably like we probably did more like some of the more classic stuff when we were a bit younger and then as we got you know more writing our own music it was probably more in a not that we did rap rock at all but it was more in you know that kind of aggressive vein versus like classic rock so we probably play, started to trend more towards our <laughs> aggressive back you know i got you so like less more less uh, as you age in your band you went less rock more kid rock uh never played kid rock i don't think but probably (laughs) more more aggressive yeah Yeah. aggro rock yeah yeah. more aggro rock would have been the i mean we wanted to be like tool or the deftones those were like the groups we like aspired to be at that age anyway you know but we were more influenced probably by pearl jam and things like that so never really came out right but it was good times at the time yeah well there is still time um we just need to you know if 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 it fits with reverb and clean guitar there's still time matt we'll we'll find that out (laughs) (laughs) right on well thanks for joining us i really appreciate it matt um thanks for making the time and you can definitely go to the metaverse.com find all the pedals i don't know do you sell i i do see them quite a bit um on reverb do you have any dealers specific outside of the places within your town uh i have like mostly international dealers but uh in the u.s i have a sound shop nyc as a dealer uh i think they have their own website they don't i'm the i just don't have dealers selling reverb new products anyway and okay. then perfect circuit is a new dealer uh on the west coast i think they've got just about everything uh uh, East Side Music Supply in Nashville usually has something banging about. And I'm trying to think. I think that's probably it for the oh, Relic Music Shop in New Jersey. It's a good place. I hear I haven't been there, but they have some metaverse there. And then probably your local music around, you know. This pedal sucks. They traded in. So. <laughs> Vince lives right near our local music go around where we go find this pedal sucks all the time. And yeah. they're great pedals. Sometimes they suck though too. Yeah. Uh, oh, Twin Town. I was looking at your site. So Twin Town's on there. Oh yeah, Twin Town for sure. Sorry, I can't believe. Yeah, I that's where that. I did see yeah. some when we were up there. Um, but and then, do you also do uh, deal? Do you do direct from your site? Oh yeah, direct is primarily. I prefer people buy through the site versus Reverb, to be honest, just because I get to interact with them a bit more directly without the parameters of Reverb's watching eye, as it were. <laughs> Copy, copy, understood. Well, yeah, so go to metaverse.com and um, check out 
everything that the metaverse has to offer. Thanks again, Matt. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys so much. Yeah, and Vince, what do we what do we tell him? Uh, go out there and get yourself a Flora Vault and a potato. Thank you.